0: To Attached, a podcast about the loved ones we're attached to and the good, the bad, and the ugly advice about those relationships that maybe we shouldn't be so attached to. We here at Attached want to share ways to enhance your relationships and debunk bad relationship advice using science. Science, science,
1: science. Wow. (laughs) And the crowd goes wild.
0: I'm Dr. Patricia Robertson out of the University of Tennessee.
2: I'm Dr. Jacob Priest from the University of Iowa.
0: And I'm Dr. Sarah Woods in Dallas, Texas. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a very special bonus Christmas pod. Yay! Yay! Specifically, we are doing this bonus pod to celebrate the flurry of Christmas romantic comedies and family movies that have been raining down upon us in recent years and it truly is glorious
1: wouldn't that be Um, snowing snowing down upon us wouldn't that be snowing Mm
0: -hmm. oh yeah yeah. yeah. come on you had a
2: really great opportunity for a good time there
0: that have
1: been uh, Uh,
0: snowing down upon us uh, and a particular hearty enthusiastic shout out to netflix who have been producing seemingly the majority of these amazing Christmas time um, movies.
2: And for that matter, Vanessa Hudgens, right?
0: Yeah. And the entire cast of the Pr- Christmas Prince trilogy. Thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you for
0: continuing to do it. I fully expect next year to have a Christmas mystery I feel like they did the courtship they did the wedding the baby and it has to be like a murder mystery next right Ooh, yeah right it, that, it has to be anyway but before we get to all of that what I want to know first is growing up what were y'all's favorite Christmas movies Do you have any particularly fond memories of Christmas movies growing up
2: uh so This might be kind of weird. (laughs) Would you expect anything (laughs) less?
0: Is it a 90s reference? No, Uh,
2: kind of. So, um, uh, like, I don't really have a favorite Christmas movie per se. Okay. um, When I was growing up, we would always wake up super early to open presents. We would wake up at like three or four o'clock in the morning. What? And we weren't allowed. Well, we weren't allowed to go into our parents' room and wake them up for Christmas morning until, like, 6.30 a.m., 6 a.m., something like that. So it was pretty early. So... Me and my brother would get up um, and we would like we just like wake up spontaneously because we were so excited. And then we'd go (laughs) watch whatever was on like crappy Christmas movie was on during like at 3 a.m. on ABC Christmas morning really early. So like we watched a Christmas story like uh, Charlie Brown Christmas was on one year and just some random stuff. But that's that was kind of the tradition of our family growing up one year i love it um i was telling my friend rosanna shout out to rosanna that hello, we rosanna. were that's like what we did she's like i'm totally gonna call you because i do the same thing i'm gonna call you like 4 a.m <laughs> so <laughs> at 4 a.m christmas morning our phone rings i'm like hello are you serious my parents got so mad.
0: That's i bet so they funny. did that's hilarious <laughs> oh my goodness
2: but that was our favorite christmas movie. Whatever your favorite
0: christmas movie whatever was on at 3
1: a.m. That's was fantastic. Exactly. Whatever was convenient. Exactly. So, we had several. We'd like had a whole list that probably we would work through. Um, White Christmas was definitely at Oh the my top. gosh. I love it. Um, a movie that my dad really likes and I de- it's an easy watcher. Like there's nothing too emotionally heavy about it whereas like it's a Wonderful Life is probably truly my favorite Christmas movie mm. but I feel like I have to be in the right mindset to really absorb that's like a really intense story but so now Charlotte also likes White Christmas my daughter she's five um, and uh, I remind her like oh we should watch that movie like it's it's time to start doing that again she said oh, oh yeah that's the movie that starts really scary but then gets good and I was like scary it's white and then I remembered it starts with a World War II scene. oh right <laughs> <laughs> that had, it prompted me last year to have to teach her what like or avoid teaching her what war was <laughs> she was like what is happening here I was like yeah good question didn't think about that didn't it's gonna get good it involves a lot of singing and dancing cool costumes if we could just ignore the fact that the wall just fell on that man oh just my for, the, his arm hurts that's what's important <laughs> um and now she knows all the lyrics to the sisters song which is really random when you're singing with a five-year-old like um no man shall come between us (laughs) um they shall uh, not yeah so it's a it's a movie we're passing down
0: yes uh that is definitely was my memory too is white christmas i grew up the oldest of three sisters we would watch white christmas all the time not even it didn't even have to be christmas we would watch it all the time and that sister song was our anthem like we learned the dance to it we learned all the songs wow the song snow 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 we would like
2: try snow
0: snow <laughs> we would learn try and do all the harmonies it's so nostalgic i love that movie so so much snow snow much <laughs> clever <laughs> um, i just laughed at my own joke um <laughs> i loved white christmas and growing up and now i've introduced my husband to it and my kids and we watch it every every year a more modern movie christmas movie that i love is elf oh yeah, yeah. I remember in college going to see it with my friend Matthew Wilson. Shout out Matthew Wilson. And we went to go see Elf together. And I think for maybe the next two years, we just quoted it to each other nonstop. Um, so now every time, even though I don't get to see Matthew as often as I wish I could, every time I see Elf, I just remember fondly our incessant quoting of, of, of Elf. It's fantastic. So that's another really good jovial one that I love. Jovial. Um, But now let's get to what we all are really here for. Christmas rom-coms, I love them so much. I think I've seen already maybe five this year.
2: Oh my God. Um, Can I just say, like, I just want to point out that I get so much shit for watching reality television. And (laughs) and we're just kind of fundamentally accepting this whole notion of like, Netflix Christmas movies are great. I just want to throw your, that out there that there's not this like hate right. for something that is pr- particularly as cheesy. No, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. To fair be point, fair, fair point. in
1: Inconsistency, I am to- I've am. watched none of what we're prepared to talk about. I have oh. no experience. They do fall in the Temptation Island category for me. No, yeah.
0: Well, I still love them, man. I love... That feeling at the end when, like, the, the, the music swells and they kiss and you feel the little tinklies I love it so much. It's, like, it's fantastic. I just, I can go back and I can rewatch that piece and I'm just like, oh, I feel all warm
1: and fuzzy. I love it. You're it's right, Jacob. I'm hearing it's not very different than reality so <laughs> television, sure. you're right. exactly,
2: <laughs> that's exactly correct. But let me talk today about the new... Vanessa Hudgens starring and produced Netflix Christmas movie called "Get It Lady." The Night with a K, (laughs) K N I G H T before Christmas. So to set the scene, let me read a little bit from uh, a review of it by Kelly Faircloth on Jezebel. All
0: right, Kelly, bring it.
2: Absurd Christmas movies are proliferating across the media landscape like a whimsical but terrifying invasive species of flower. <laughs> There's no better example of the sheer unhinged delight this genre can afford, like *The Night Before Christmas*. Brilliant. So the premise is simple, really. A 14th century knight named Cole, Sir Cole, which mm-hmm. I caught onto that pun during it, and nobody, everybody else is like, "That's not a pun." I was like, "Yeah, they're making fun of Sir Cole Circle." Anyway, is zapped. To 2019 Ohio so that he can fulfill the special quest that will make him a true knight. <laughs> he is not being roped into yet another ill-advised edition of the Crusades, but rather something involving mm, his heart. Leaving his trusty steed galloping back to the castle confused, he lands smack in the middle of a town Christmas festival where attendees include a high school teacher named Brooke who's been burned so badly by her cheating ex that she feels uncomfortable tenderly... One of her students that a fairy tales about love are bogus. Brooke hits Cole with his car, and assuming he has some sort of amnesia as a result, volunteers (laughs) to take him in. Obviously, they fall in love in the week that leads up to Christmas, bonding over food, the blizzard rescue of Brooke's niece, and also binge watching Netflix.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right, which is perfect that it was produced by Netflix. In the movie.
2: Like there oh. there's so
0: it. <laughs> many references within it about other Netflix thing, And I also love that I'm pretty sure they fell
1: intensely in love in five days.
2: Yeah. Oh, at most, <laughs> at most five days.
1: I'm taking notes to try to keep up and the notes look ridiculous, <laughs> just to be
2: clear. So what intrigues me about this Christmas movie um, is like this really absurd idea that we've talked about. It's like that. Going on your true quest is to really find the person that is your soulmate and your one right. true love. And what really fascinates me about this is we know, I mean, we've talked about this on this podcast, that there's really not only one person that you can be partnered with and be happy with, right? When you pick a partner, you pick a story, and that story is going to grow and change. And it's, when you pick that partner, that's what the story you begin writing. But Ooh, there, I like that. There is, I stole that from Mr. Perel again. Come on, let's get rid that. <laughs> um... Uh, I still like it. <laughs> yeah. Well that's good. Anyway, I think that what is interesting is the the sense of comfort this narrative of finding one's true love and going on a true quest brings to people, right? Watching The Night Before Christmas, which we've watched it twice, once here, <laughs> Chelsea and I watched it, and then once in Florida with the rest of Chelsea's family, and it's not, you know exactly what's going to happen. You can predict right. from beginning to end what's going, what is going to happen, but there's something inherently comforting about that. And, and I think part of it stems to, like, from the human, innate human need to attach to other people, hence the name of the podcast, right? Right right i think we all crave predictable responsive connection right that we have this desire to know that when we reach for someone they're going to be there or that when we put ourselves out there it's going we're going to be safe and in some way i think the night before christmas and a lot of christmas movies really buy into that they give us this illusion that you know bad things can happen but true love will always find its way in. Right. Because I think there's that speaks to that innate need to be connected in a meaningful way with other people and to have that connection reciprocated. And, you know, like even at the tense parts where they don't know if they're going to be together because there always has to be that plot trope, right? Like, oh no, are we really going to end up together? And in Christmas movies, like in more mainstream, it's not the word mainstream rom-coms, that... <laughs> that uh that rift that happens between the two main characters is more compl- complicated and lasts longer but in these netflix specials and especially in the night before christmas it's really totally predictable not really Absolutely. that intense and and i feel like We want the intensity that comes with that connection, but having it be predictable just makes us feel good. And that's why I think Netflix Christmas movies work so well.
0: Absolutely, these types of movies, I love them so much. I call them brain candy, right? Because they are delicious, you can just eat them up, But if that was all of the media I ever consumed, my brain would uh, get diabetes or something, right? So, or whatever the equivalent
1: of that is. The Um, usual reminder that this podcast is not medical advice and that's not how diabetes works.
2: (laughs) And also, another reference to Patricia and food. Let's just put that out there.
0: (laughs) It's delicious. But it's fun and it's enjoyable and you recognize that, well, hopefully you recognize that there are things about it that probably aren't that good for you, but you enjoy it and and that's okay. Like this idea that the the true love trope that you're talking about, if we can watch it and be entertained by it, but if we take that in and believe it, then then it becomes problematic, right?
2: And that's what I kind of like about these over the top, like self-aware cheesy Christmas movies is that they're really kind of pointing out the absurdity of falling in love like and bringing that to such a level that you can kind of laugh at it and it kind of debunks the myth in the process. Yeah. Can I just read one more paragraph from the Jezebel review? Because it's really- funny. Please. That's the thing. This movie is goofy and knows it. At one point, the town Santa gives Cole the night a little pep talk about faith and Christmas, which our hero takes it at face value. As Cole walks off, Santa mut- mutters to himself, Damn, I'm good. Which I choose to read as a self-aware joke about all the real Sanders from Hallmark movies, despite the fact that the director, Monica Mitchell, has made multiple movies for the channel. He also suggests at one point that he might open a bakery, which also feels like some some light clowning of the conventions of the genre. Yes, this movie does eventually pivot to the entire town raising money to do Christmas for a struggling family, which feels like a brief detour <laughs> into Dr. Quinn medicine woman. But it also Hey, dramati- I like
0: that 90s reference. Yeah.
2: But it's also dramatically hornier than anything that's ever been on Hallmark. <laughs> this is in keeping with the tradition of old school romance, trope, which grew out of the old school medieval romance, which was absolutely part of the bodice buster canon, These were types of books where someone could at any point begin having sex on some sort of fur pelt. At one point, they have a conversation with Brooke's neighbor as Cole stands there in his nightly undershirt, which is so translucent, you can get a sense of his nipple and a clear line of his face. Yeah,
0: I remember that shirt. I remember that shirt. I remembered it.
2: So I mean, this points to the fact that like this sense of romance has been consistent, right? You know, like people yes. going back generations have appreciated this type of romance trope. And this is just the latest iteration of it. We're
1: going to have to mark this episode explicit.
2: Because <laughs> <Just laughs> of bodice ripping or bodice busters. Or the guy's
1: nipple. Yeah,
2: maybe. Both.
1: <laughs>
0: All of it. Ooh, Sarah's feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> just typical. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about another uh, Netflix Christmas rom com. It came out last year. It's called Christmas with a View. So, Christmas with a View follows Clara Garrison. She is a young woman who tried to open up a restaurant in Chicago, but it failed. So, she had to come back home and is managing kind of the restaurant in a resort. And yes, I've seen this one. Yeah, the celebrity chef played by Shane. Well, his name is Shane. Um escaping stardom at into this isolated resort. So he's the celebrity chef. And you know, like all romantic comedies, it starts with an awkward interaction and then longing gazes across a room at each other and asking each other's friends, oh, is the person dating somebody? And and then they cook each other meals to show off their chef skills and slowly but surely fall in love. And it was delightful. And they do, spoiler alert, they end up together and, you know, it's just rainbows and, and snowflakes and all of the things that you want. But one thing that I thought was particularly interesting in this movie was how they um, went about communicating and arguing, and the the couple-to-be really demonstrated some wildly problematic communication styles that as relationship experts, we would identify as highly predictive of divorce or long-term relationship dissatisfaction. So one of those is negative attributions. And negative attributions, I'm pretty sure we've talked about on the show before, but whenever your partner does a certain behavior, you think negatively about their character because of that. So for example, your partner is late and you think oh my gosh they're so lazy they're always late what's the matter with them where the reverse of that is a positive attribution so they're late and you think oh my gosh they were working so hard or oh they must have gotten stuck in traffic so you attribute the external reasons for why they they were late but this couple just every single behavior especially in the beginning that they do they they automatically assume the worst of the person which Is particularly striking because if it was a real life couple and the person that you're starting to have feels for everything that they do, you're like, they're a horrible person. Why would you be with that person? Like that it makes no sense at all.
2: Well, I think too, like, isn't that emphasizing this kind of false idea that, you know, people who make the best couples don't really like each other at first and then they find like, oh, that they do, which (laughs) is so problematic, right? If you're (laughs) starting a relationship, like you're saying, Patricia, and your feeling is like, oh, I don't like anything this person does. I'm gonna make sure that all of this negative attribution is going on. It's not a good sign. You should probably not pursue that relationship.
0: (laughs) Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. But nevertheless, Shane and Clara just keep on going. Um, And then at one point in the end, or close to the end, they get into this argument, and Clara automatically becomes very, very defensive and blames uh, Shane for, for all of it. Shane brings up kind of a complaint Um, or a concern, or it wasn't even that. It was a, Shane brings up an alternative perspective. Um, It was actually quite a soft start of what Gottman would say. And she just becomes quite defensive. And defensiveness is one of Gottman's four horsemen of the apocalypse that is just highly predictive of, Um, relationship instability and it was remarkable but you know what after a couple of weeks of knowing each other they just immediately got into a super defensive argument they still (laughs)
1: lived up they still lived up together (laughs) you guys are really selling
2: this job that points out too that I think sometimes people think that anger is a manifestation of I like you a lot right Right, like if I can be really defensive yes and I don't think Sure. I think in long-term relationships, you are going to have times where you're defensive, where you're hurt, where you're reactive to people. But if you've known somebody for two weeks and you're getting really defensive at stuff they say, <laughs> that's probably a red flag.
0: Right, exactly. But despite all of that, they end up together and
1: I still freaking loved it. <laughs> like in the end, I was like, oh, it's so sweet. They ended up together.
0: I have a sickness. I have a problem, but I loved it. And I will watch this movie again.
1: I do. I have occasionally gotten the question either from clients or from like students who are curious about like how early in a relationship is too early to be considering couples therapy. And the I feel like the answer should maybe technically be never is too early. And yet I do have this sort of like you're a few months in. No, that's a big red flag. <laughs> that's you already need professional support for your relationship. Yeah, you, should, boy. you should be in the
0: in the in the super ultimate love stage, yeah. the limerence stage, as we would say.
2: Well, and also, I think that's more indicative of at that time. If it's early on in your relationship, get education about relationships, and right. like maybe it's not time for couples theory, but maybe individual therapy like if you're in a toxic relationship and you know that and you're like at four months and like i can't get out of this that means a throwback to one of our last episodes you need to learn how to break up and that can be done in individual therapy
1: and i also think it's
2: good like if you're in like the dating trying to find a partner stage to read a lot about what makes for successful relationships because you can look for some of those things you know people do tend to after a certain point Fall in love. I don't really like that phrase, but you get to a point where you feel really connected and attached to somebody, and if you're doing that in spite of all of these red flags, right? Um, that can be pretty. Uh, I don't want to use the word dangerous, but hurtful to the long term stability of your relationship, your long term mental and, as we know, physical
0: health. Physical health. Yeah. So,
2: like when you're choosing a partner keep those things in the back of your mind and learn about really listen to the attached podcast so you can learn about things that you should exactly self-promotion on our own podcast that you- i love it
0: yeah all of the people who are listening right now remember listen
2: keep listening like and subscribe <laughs> our podcast share it with friends <laughs> Netflix move to be
1: promoting your own product within your product
2: yes exactly right
1: so enjoy these movies
0: but the behaviors don't uh, take them
2: in. Yeah, don't 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 fall in love. <laughs> don't with adopt Fourteenth century knight. <laughs> don't don't marry somebody uh, who, after two weeks, you get really defensive <laughs> at anything that they might say, even a really easy suggestion. And,
0: And, you know, uh, opposites don't attract. Right. Opposites don't attract and don't continue to date someone if you uh, hate everything that they do.
2: (laughs) Or feel like after three months you need to go to couples therapy.
1: With all my notes about these movies, I missed the time travel. He was an actual knight. Oh, (laughs)
2: yes. So he was from the 14th century and he goes out on this expedition and he runs in. Sorry, this is jumping back to the first movie if you're not following this. Uh, well, the second
1: it. one, the only the only note I have for the second one is celebrity chef, and then I stopped. So
0: <laughs> you're like, oh, that's enough.
2: Yeah, so the that's night before good. Christmas, this 14th century knight goes out into the woods on this to hunt something for the king and runs into what he refers to as an old crone, which is an old mystical woman who says that she has to find her true No, his true quest as a knight. And ah. What he learns throughout the show is when he gets transported into modern-day Ohio is that his true quest, his true calling as a knight is to fall in love.
1: Yikes. So, wow. yes,
2: that is the the time Premise. travel effect.
1: Uh, gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Do you take these movies as seriously when you are watching them with your in-laws, was my follow-up question.
2: Oh, no, we don't take them seriously no. at all. It's like drinking a glass of wine, kicking back... And laughing at the movie and also just kind of like loving it. At least I'm laughing pretty hard.
0: I gotcha. In a slight change of
1: direction. Sarah has a wonderful movie to tell, a Christmas movie to tell us about. Sure. I I didn't think it was a change of direction, meaning my brother and sister-in-law are also really into these Netflix uh, Christmas rom-coms y'all are describing. And I thought I too discovered one and was so proud that I was like, oh, I'm going to be part of this thing that apparently everyone's doing. I told them I watched Noel, which is on Disney Plus, and I told them this movie's amazing. And I really was selling them on it. And they said um, that I was doing it Wrong that it sounded like it sounded like an actual movie, and I don't disagree. I really highly recommend it. Um, but it's a story if you've not seen it about the Kringle family, which is Santa Claus's family, and Santa and Mrs. Claus have two children. That when they're young, they're told that the son, I believe his name is Nick. I felt like it was falling into his Netflix category really, really easily. Um, that he gets a Santa hat for Christmas and he's told it's time to start Santa training. And But really his sister Noelle would like to be doing something like that and she's told that her role in the family is to just celebrate and support her brother and oh. continue to make like really glittery Christmas cards.
2: Some gendered um, family dynamics there, huh?
1: Yeah, so um, that's my contribution is that um, the... They are family roles pretty strongly defined by gender and tradition. And then pretty quickly, the movie transitions to adulthood, where Nick is obviously not really interested in being Santa and has none of these like innate magical skills. And she suggests he takes take like a weekend away, but then he disappears. And so the rest of the movie is she has to go find him and convince him to come back just in time for Christmas. But as adults and working together, they're able to challenge that family role role and some of the dynamics that created uh, what they were destined to do in their family and for the sake of Christmas. For the um, sake of Christmas. <laughs> right. So, um, but I really liked this idea that it, she wasn't really able to kind of see that the role could be shifted on her own, but it was, a f- it was a few different members of this family that kind of together had to shift to create space for what was a better fit and a healthier balance in terms of how they all related to each other. So it sounds like your movie is um, demonstrates
0: much healthier patterns of interaction than the ones that Jacob and I watched.
1: Eventually and it's not, it's less a romantic comedy uh, and also it features like Anna Kendrick and Bill Hader and it's genuinely funny, like I think it I think it's funny. We'll have to Um, check that one out.
2: I think so yeah. too.
1: I think you'll be disappointed as my brother and sister-in-law were that like, it's not maybe the in the same vein, but, <laughs> um. Hey, I also love White Christmas. I like it's all true. Christmas movies. I, this is not White Christmas. This is somewhere in between what you all are describing, Vanessa it, Hudgens, <laughs> and White Christmas. It's <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in between. Good to know. Amazing, on the list. I'm
0: excited. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for you. This bonus pod. Happy Christmas. Happy whatever you celebrate. And please, please.
2: Can we say one more thing before we go? Sorry, before we go. Oh yeah, wrap absolutely. Up. I have a surprise for both of you. What? I'm gonna be a dad.
1: <gasps> oh, oh congratulations! congratulations. Oh yay! The best gift oh. of all. Oh. Yeah. That's so day. exciting! Yeah. What are you guys do in
2: June? The Aww. middle of June. Oh! So
1: yay! Yeah. Congratulations! Thank you. Oh my gosh, Jacob! Aww, I wish so I could exciting. give you a hug right now. That's I such know. Fantastic
0: news. Yeah, we're excited.
1: <laughs> oh be,
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Jacob's gonna be a papa.
2: I'm gonna be a dad. Yay!
0: <laughs>
2: so please send the in your best, best parenting kind. advice so I can learn how to be a dad
0: absolutely because that's how it works yep (laughs) fantastic anyway that's my news
2: i just wanted to share it with y'all
0: that is fantastic fantastic news i don't think we can end any any better than that so with that wonderful news happy holidays everyone